Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, Shelley moderates as Alex and Kayla discuss the true crime genre. Listen as they discuss what they like most about true crime and recommend a few of their favorites. Murder, cults, jewel thieves, and goats all get a mention. If you already love true crime or are just curious about the genre, stay tuned. You may hear about a new book that could interest you. Welcome to our latest episode of Stacks and Stories. My name is Shelley Ziegler, and today we're going to talk about true crime. And this is a big, hot topic now in both podcasts and in fiction and nonfiction. And so we thought it'd be great to get some MLC staff members together who are true crime enthusiasts and hear about some of their favorite true crime books and possibly podcasts. So we have um, Kayla with us today and Alex. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves and we're going to get going and talking about some true crime. Kayla, you want to take it? I will. I'm Kayla Martin-Gant. I am the Continuing Education Coordinator for the Mississippi Library Commission. I started almost exactly a year ago, which means that roughly two weeks into my new position here, we worked from home for like six months. So it's been real interesting. That was a crazy time you started. It was, yeah, yeah, it was was intense. (laughs) Yeah, it was was a weird... Mm -hmm. Weird introduction to MLC. Yes. But that said, it's been a good time so far. (laughs) I've had a lot of fun. I've done a lot of things. I'm so glad to hear that. If someone's making you say that, blink twice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they can't see that. There's someone standing behind her. (laughs) Uh, My name is Alex Brower, and I'm the Information Services Director here. I've been here two years, almost exactly on the dot, which... It's very exciting. It's gone by so fast. It doesn't feel like that. I was updating my resume the other day, and I was like, "This none of these dates are right, but they were. <laughs> they were right. To be fair, 2020 like barely happened. Yeah. It, it lasted 10 years and 10 minutes yeah. at the same time. You know, you're right, and that's so odd, but it's, it's so true. And yeah. now, now it's mid-February, mm-hmm. y'all. Yeah. 2021. That's not even a real date. My parents were talking the other day. They were like, we never even thought this year would happen. And here of course, we... my mom thought computers were a fad, so they're not the best like, place to start. I think they might be here to stay. I th- you what know, you I'm, think? Really th- I'm really thinking they are, you know, sticking around. But she didn't believe in them at first. Interesting. So true crime. Why, why do you guys like it so much? Because you're weirdos? That's a question. Oh, no, I'm just um, joking. Oh, I mean, no, that's that's accurate. But, like, I don't know necessarily that that's why I'm interested in it. It's just, like, a pleasant pleasant side effect? Maybe oh. pleasant is not the best Maybe word. Exciting. I mean, Exciting hey, she, she asked why we liked it so much. <laughs> I'm just curious. No, it is very, very popular yes. right now. Well, it has been popular for a while. Yeah. Let's face it. And I, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I mean, one, you know, people love... They love a good story. They love salacious details, no matter how horrific. And also, you know, there's there's the psychological element. There's lots of studies that have been done about, you know, why true crime is so popular and especially why it's so popular with women. And there's a lot to be said, I think, also for the just the psychology of horror in general. But I won't get into that because it's a lot. And I am very enthusiastic, so I will talk for eternity about that. 
Alex, what are your thoughts? Uh, I just really think it's interesting to know why people do these crazy things. And I like to know, you know, why they thought they were God and how they grew up and all this stuff. I just really like the nitty gritty details of their life and reading about it in a book or listening to a podcast is very low stakes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get injured or anything just by reading. And if it gets too scary, I can put the book down or turn the podcast off. Tell me all, uh, tell me about some of the books that you all are interested in some on the, the topic of true crime. Um, so that, I, this was actually interesting for me to kind of narrow down like what what I was gonna do because most of the time, you know, when you think of true crime, the first thing that comes to your brain is, you know, horrific, brutal murder. Mm -hmm. And I am, am deeply fascinated by that, but I have a lot of like kind of complicated true crime feelings sometimes. And so like I wanted to explore some other aspects of true crime that people don't necessarily, you know, talk about very much. So one of the ones that I really wanted to talk about was, it's relatively new-ish. It's Ronan Farrow's Catch and Kill. That has been on my list to read. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's a big book, which is kind of intimidating, but the way it is written is it, it feels sort of like half spy thriller, half investigation. Is it nonfiction or fiction? It's nonfiction. Okay. And it's all about delving into the intense, dark cave of awfulness, I will say. I was going to have another word, but that's not appropriate for a podcast. That was the Harvey Weinstein case. Yeah. Now I'm even, I'm even more intrigued Oof. at this point. It is, it's rough, but it, it's got like a lot of very short parts to it. So it's very, very fast paced read. And I mean, you just get sucked right into it. I feel like that would be a very good audiobook to listen yes. to. Yes, and and I think I, like I I didn't listen to the audiobook. I read it, but I think Ronan Farrow actually reads That's, the audiobook. I always love that. That's even better. Yes, and for does everybody here know who Ronan Farrow is? Mia Farrow's son. Yes, uh, who people speculate that who is Frank Sinatra. Yeah, Frank Sinatra. Which if is you the look father. at Ronan Farrow, you're like. I can see where that he's, speculation he's would come into play. He's got the eyes. He's very he, He's attractive. got the whole face. Yeah, he's, he's, got he's the, precious. Yes. He's very classically beautiful. Yes. Yes. And he's really funny. Like, if you ever just listen to him talk, him and his partner, who is John Lovett, who is part of the, you know, the political podcast sphere, and they have two goofy little dogs, and they, they're, it's a good time. But he's also, you know, Mia Farrow was married to Woody Allen. And I suppose I can't speculate, but so I'm, is Woody Allen the father? Apparently, allegedly. But I also have some opinions with a capital O about Woody Allen. So, oh. um, but it also delves into that too, because the thing is, as Ronan Farrow is slowly, you know, more and more starting to investigate, you know, all of these claims that are slowly coming out of the woodwork and all this stuff. I mean, this is like. You know the movies where it's like, you know, the kind of hapless reporter stumbles into this massive conspiracy mm -hmm. and then, you know, all of a sudden all of these men in black start flying out of the walls. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it is because yeah. you get, like, lawyers and then also, like, wartime, you know, spy, like, level intimidation tactics that are happening to this man and to the people, you know, everybody involved. And I hate to be the person that's like, it goes all the way to the top, but it really <laughs> did. A conspiracy theory from Kayla. Yes. <laughs> I have many, but this one is based in a lot of facts. <laughs> Next up, the pyramids. Yeah. No. Um, but really, it's a, it's a really, really incredible book. And in 
even though it is such a a big you know physically a big book it reads like that and you just get sucked directly into it and then 12 hours later you're like oh i need to eat um and also maybe watch something happy for a minute because this is this is a bummer (laughs) it's all about balance you really have to once you you know read something scary you have to watch some parks and rec Mm -hmm. you have to watch some office Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you gotta balance it out yeah exactly I went in the opposite direction. I went real into the murder. Real into the murder, real into the cults, real into the weird stuff. Because that's my favorite thing. And my first book, it's very little, and y'all can't really see it because you're online listening to a podcast. But it's called (laughs) The Goat Castle Murder. And I picked it because I assumed there would be more goats. And there are goats. (laughs) There are not enough. (laughs) I would like to say that. That's Alex Uh, Brower's official review. (laughs) There are goats. Two out of five stars. There are not enough. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, a goat was murdered or a goat did the murder. And no, they just are around. (laughs) But it takes place in Natchez in the 1930s. And there was this weird aristocrat turned spinster named... Jeannie or Jenny Merrill, who turned real weird when she got old, which I love. It's what I want to do. She Big like mood. covered her bicycle with paper and her truck with paper and burlap whenever it wasn't being used and like had a sign that said, this is my name. It said Merrill. <laughs> for other inquiries, by, for people with other names, go elsewhere. So <laughs> essentially a no trespassing, no soliciting sign. So okay. anyway... There's this wonderful lady who was real weird and, like, maybe was in love with her cousin. Another, well, not something I aspire to, but, you know, just something else that adds to her charm. I didn't want to say another thing I want to do when I grow up. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, uh, so she was murdered. They found her bullet-riddled body in a thicket. So very Mississippi elements to this murder. You know, she was in the woods. And they suspected her neighbors. And this is where the goats come in. Here are the goats. They had all these animals because they were so poor, so they just let them run free, including goats. They had this beautiful antebellum home that they just let the animals come in and, like, live inside. And they had, like, Jefferson Davis's furniture in there, and the goats would lay on it and chew on it. And so these crazy neighbors were, of course, the prime suspect. And so they get arrested, and they have pictures in here. That's another part that I really love. There's the worst portrait in the world in here, which I made a note of so I could show the people who are here. It's terrible. Like, this guy's is okay, but this oh, one, he looks like a ghost. That's unfortunate. That painted. It's terrible. So it has these great pictures, like the goats are in here. That is a book we have here in our collection, It is a book. This is from our Mississippi collection, but I saw a newer version, I think. So Maybe we'll add that. Yeah, it's got a really cool cover. (laughs) Well, I think we have it here, but this is from our Mississippi collection. I think it's the original one, but it's so good. And it's so interesting because you can see the people and see their houses. And then, you know, once the case was resolved, these people open their house up to tourists <laughs> they said the notorious goat castle 25 cents you can come in and they didn't fix their house it was still yeah. dirty and filthy and covered with goats but people could come in and see it well you want to see it in its natural state i mean yeah i guess yeah. but it was nasty up in there so anyway <laughs> it's real good it's so good and it's real quick because i really don't love reading nonfiction. 
I don't love it. I can listen to it. Yeah. It's very hard for me to focus for a long time to read it. So this was the perfect amount of weird stuff. That book actually sounds interesting. It was to very me. interesting. And I'm I not a it. big true crime person. Yes, so. it's really good, and it's real light. Like it's not super big on the details, so it's not grisly. Yeah, but that's it's really good. good. And the goats. And, and the, the goats. goats. Love. Which goats. at first I thought you were saying goats. Oh no, goats. <laughs> and then and then when you said goats, I became even more intrigued. I would just like to say. If it had both, it would be perfect. Yeah, true. I'll All write right. that just for you. <laughs> goats <Yeah>. and goats. <laughs> right. Kayla. Um, okay, so I did delve a little into murder. You know, just, just dip my you toe. You can't really shy away from murder when we're talking about true crime. I mean, I mean, you can't. I was trying to... You, I was tr- you could, I but... I was trying to leave some of the good stuff for Alex. Yeah, okay. All um, right. <laughs> you really have to take care of me. I really can't find stuff tomorrow. <laughs> you got to put it right there in a line. <laughs> no. But I did want to talk about one of my favorites, which is I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I A super popular yes. book and TV miniseries. Yes, they right? have they have adapted it and or documentary. It is, and it has it spawned, you know, a lot of a, a lot of things really. Because it's the the thing about I'll Be Gone in the Dark is not just the actual like cases. Well, I say I was about to say case, but it's many plural cases yeah. that it's stunning. But it's also the story behind you know the book and and how all of that you know kind of came to be. So I'll Be Gone in the Dark is the story of the Golden State Killer. It is written by Michelle McNamara, and that uh, was. Patton Oswalt's wife. Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which I didn't know. And I've loved Patton Oswalt for years. So I was just like, oh, my, my great interests coming together. Weird comedy man and true crime. But she actually coined the term Golden State Killer because uh, originally this, this man was known as the East Area Rapist. And he basically like terrorized California in the, I think the 70s. And it seems like it it went on for quite some time. Yes. It went on for many, many years. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, you know, what's happening? And so Michelle McNamara coined the term Golden State Killer because she realized, you know, this needs more scrutiny. And so it needs something catchy. It needs you know? a better, yeah. you know, jazzy name. Exactly. You've got to spark interest. Yeah. That's and, part of it. Yes. And and Michelle McNamara is kind of the, I don't want to call her an armchair detective because she's not. Like she, you know, she's a journalist and, and she had these amazing, you know, investigative skills. And I mean, just really dug in there and talked to everybody she needed to talk to. You know, she became really tight with some of the, the lead investigators. And I, I keep saying past tense because Michelle McNamara died before she could finish this book. She died in her sleep. And Do it you was, know what she died of? It was, she had this condition. Let me... I mean, it's okay if you don't know. I was just curious because I'd always heard she died. I just know she was young. So yes, I just yes. didn't know what um, she died I, of. I can't, re- I can't remember what it was called, but it was it's a, a, a weird condition mm-hmm. and... It was that plus accidental prescription drug overdose. Okay. Which I don't know if, you know, she, I don't know like all the details of that. But yeah, she, she just died very suddenly in her sleep before she could finish this book. And the people she was working with and her husband basically took, you know, all of the files she had. And they weren't like in any particular order. So they kind of had to piece everything together mm-hmm. and put it in a timeline. And then they sort of finished the book. Now, the other interesting thing is right after this book actually comes out is published hits the shelves like very soon after that they catch 
the Golden State Killer after decades of not knowing who this man is. And now her book didn't like, there, there's, you know, a lot of rumor that like, oh, her book helped catch the Golden State yeah. Killer. And like, loosely that's, that's true. You know, it's not like she, you know, found evidence that nobody had been able to find. But she did, A, do a very, very good job of, like, putting together what there was. And also, it did exactly what she wanted it to do. It drew a lot of attention, you know, to this case. And that, you know, really kind of lit the fire under more investigation. And that's what led to him being caught. And I, I won't, you know, get into to great detail as to what these crimes involved because they're really brutal. And the, and the thing is, is it's not just you know, like the actual crimes, but the psychological, like, effect that these had on not just the victims and not just the survivors, because there were some, intentionally so, but also just the entire geographical area in yeah. which this took place. So yeah, it's a really fascinating case. It's very beautifully written. It's written with a lot of empathy and uh, parts of it are almost kind of poetic, but not like in a really obnoxious, pretentious way. Just like you could tell she really, really cared, not just about this case, but about the people involved and the people who were hurt. So yeah. That's great. That's a, that's a very well done synopsis of that book. Thank I you. Just, also, the audiobook is very good yeah. and spooky. See, I love an audio. I can listen to true crime all day long. It's just sitting down and reading a nonfiction book. It's very difficult for I me, and I don't know why. I feel exactly the same It feels way. like I'm doing schoolwork, even if it's yeah, good. I know. And I'd like to circle around. Let's circle. Serial killers. Circle around. To, yeah. Um, so this is called North Mississippi Murder and Mayhem. It was written by Christina Stansel. I didn't know this, but apparently the first three recorded serial killers were from Mississippi. What? In, like, in United States history. Are you serious? Yes. It was two brothers and then this guy... And they all became murdery friends and murdery murder killer people. And it talks about. Those Did they have guys. matching jackets? Was it like a club? I don't know that they had like Letterman jackets. They certainly should have. I'm sure that they all had like matching hats or something. There had to be something. Maybe a bracelet. Maybe an anklet. It was friendship. Something. Friendship bracelet. <laughs> I'm sure they stole it from somebody. Right. It was great. But they talk about those guys. It's really focused of course on north mississippi and who knew that it was so blood soaked and had such weird stuff that happened up there not me and so i really learned some stuff reading this book um and besides those three guys there was somebody called the vampire rapist which a very catchy name terrifying but yeah. catchy. And apparently, so this was relatively recently, like the guy who they suspect of being the vampire rapist went to jail in like 2012 for something else. He never officially got charged and convicted for being the vampire rapist. He bit off somebody's ear and tried to suck blood out of somebody's nose, which is how he got that name. So it's... Gross, but in a really weird and specific way. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, if when I think about vampire anything, mm -hmm. of course I would have thought that maybe he, like, drank the blood from yeah. somewhere else. But no, he tried to suck it out of their nose. Just very weird. Doesn't seem like that would be very effective. 
No, it really seems like there's a lot of work involved. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know. If it was me, I'd have done something else. But I'm not here to criticize his methods. No. So it's just, it's really interesting if you care about Mississippi and the criminals who are from here, especially those three serial killers. And there's been other ones. I think there are seven total that we've had here. Really? Mm-hmm. There's more than you think. I thought there was zero. <laughs> but I also I didn't like, think didn't know there was about it. zero. But I didn't think we were like the first state to. We're number one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're number one in a lot of things. That a lot of unfortunate things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alex, that's that's good stuff there. That sounds awesome. And I like that you're like kind of focusing on Mississippi. Yeah. I was just cool. like, I'm gonna go everywhere. I, I, cool. We have some weird. Like, really specific Mississippi murder books. Like, there's one about this lady, and I didn't bring it. I don't have it to actually remember correctly, but I'm pretty sure this lady murdered her mom and cut her out. The legs yeah. murder. The, yeah. Yeah, the, the legs, or, or uh, Mississippi's answer to Lizzie Borden. Yeah. 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 It, was, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. They found her legs in the woods, and they very easily caught the lady who did it. But <laughs> she was not very smart. She didn't get away with it. But yeah, it's we have weird murders here, and I guess that's everywhere. But it's just really hits home. Well, yeah, know, when it's, when it's in your home. own own state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Kayla. Let's, yeah. Let's. Okay. You got something else for us? Yes, okay. I have a very good book. Okay. Have any of y'all ever heard of Doris Payne? Yay! Okay, so I have this book called Diamond Doris. It is an autobiography. So she wrote it with the assistance of Zelda Lockhart. And the subtitle of this is The True Story of the World's Most Notorious Jewel Thief. This woman is dope. I love her. She's my hero. We should always look up to people like this. Yes. So Doris Payne was a, well, I say was, I think she's still alive. But she is a black woman who grew up in the, the town of Slab Fork, West Virginia during the Depression. A so we're just three for three in in like the worst things that you could be going through all at one time because that was that was not a good time just in general but particularly for people of color in America and so obviously she had you know a, a lot of things stacked against her and she was like you know what no I'm not I I ain't having that so. The owner of a jewelry store throws her out when a white customer comes in. And that's kind of one of the things that like sets her off. So she starts by shoplifting and she, she wanted like, she kind of just like wanted to, to, you know, help some folks, including her mom who was like in an abusive relationship. But so over, like this woman was active for like six decades and she became just like more and more involved and doing bigger and bigger heists. She became a world-class jewel thief. And then she, like her boyfriend would like fence the stolen jewelry, like two people in Hollywood. And all of her criminal exploits, they went unsolved like well into the 1970s, partially because stores didn't want to admit that, you know, a black lady was the one that stole all their stuff. So she just exploited that relentlessly. Yeah, that is a, I mean, if you're going to have to suffer through something like uh-huh. that, you might as well make it work Like for play you. stupid Good games, win stupid prizes, like for real. So she was, she was only arrested after her boyfriend turned her in because he realized that she was using him, which... 
whatever. Snitches. I'm just turning into that Lucille Bluth gif that's just like, good for her. Um, but she was arrested after she stole his diamond ring in Monte Carlo that was valued at more than half a million dollars. And it, it didn't matter though, because nuns and various other tricks helped her break out of prison. And then she... Why are we lumping nuns in with tricks here? I'm obsessed with this woman. What's her name again? Diamond... Doris Payne. Diamond Doris. Diamond Doris. Uh Uh-huh. And when this book was written, which it was written uh, in 2019, she was 87. And she lives in Atlanta. And is just chilling, talking about her her legacy. Um, says the the summary on Hoopla. <laughs> she sums up her adventurous career best with it beat being a teacher or a maid. <laughs> it's very like it's a really really fun read, and it's got like very catch me if you can vibes, but better because this lady is the coolest woman who has ever lived. <laughs> she sounds amazing. Yes, I. I Certainly love her. She's got a pretty cool line. Yes, I want to write her and just be like, Dear Zoris. You should just go. I bet you, once COVID I, is over, you should just go I over bet, Yeah, they don't show up now, but I bet you, <laughs> I, I bet you can write her, maybe mm-hmm. find out. Be excellent. You could get a little assistance from our reference department and maybe find we'll her, um, yeah. her address. All right. Stalking Good, her. that stuff. So let's have one more recommendation. Alice, All right. And my favorite part of true crime is cults i love a good cult i love some cults a cult i do too i found a book that talks about some cults that are thoroughly enjoyed the parts that i read i didn't read all of it because i can't handle that but (laughs) the parts that i read i really like you're honest and that's okay Mm -hmm. who doesn't love learning about a cult so in 1989 there was this cult in mexico and they are the santeria cult and one of the things that they thought was that human sacrifice would make them bulletproof and it would also protect their drug businesses from the cops and it didn't so they spoilers you don't say (laughs) i know it's crazy so they found this out after they abducted this guy and of course killed him and made a circle of his blood and so with their first cop interaction posed murder and blood circle they find their way back get in the circle and are sitting there laughing at the cops thinking that they can't catch them and they are you know proceed to be caught (laughs) so then they start admitting to all this other stuff because they worked out that their stuff doesn't work but they did all this other crazy stuff but i just love that they were just sitting there waiting for the cops to come get them they're like you know what we're good we're in our blood circle and they all came to justice. So it all worked out for everybody except for What is the ending? What is the, what is the name of this book? Uh, so this is called Deadly Cults. That's a good, I probably oh, should okay. talk about that. It's called Deadly Cults, uh, The Crimes of True Believers by Robert L. Snow. So is this like a compilation of several cults? Or? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's Cults' Greatest called, Hits. They oh, okay. about different kinds. <laughs> Essentially, go. it is the greatest hits. Their greatest hits. There are occult cults, which I especially love because of the name. Uh-huh. There are New Age cults. Satanic cult, murder cult, suicide cult. There's so many types. <laughs> There's so many. I, I think I would like to actually is, uh, check this out if, if I can. You if should. It's, like, it's really good. Yeah. So there was those guys. And then the inventor of the CD-ROM, which we all know changed uh, the world and we still use today. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually in a cult. He started a voodoo cult and he got audited by the IRS. 
So he thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to take out an insurance policy on myself. I am going to do this ceremony where somebody's going to kill me, but it's going to be fine because I am going to jump bodies, essentially, from my body to somebody else. So they all gather. You know, I assume they have snacks. They get ready for the ceremony. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So anyway, he gets shot. He doesn't come back. (laughs) He didn't jump bodies. He didn't didn't jump bodies. Nothing. Nothing worked out. There's a lot of failed experiments in this in these books. But yeah, the leader, the inventor of the CD-ROM, was a leader of a voodoo cult. And I mean, I guess it's good for his family because they got all that money from his insurance policy. But who would have thought? That is but wild. I know. It's so crazy. And they talk about the Rajneeshis, which are this cult that, I don't remember when it was, maybe the 1980s? But they have a movie on Netflix about it, or a series called Wild Wild Country. It's so good. They flew from India, which is where they started, to Ohio, maybe? And take over this town. They buy a compound, start building all this stuff. Everybody only wears red. This, the leader was not a, you know, Jesus-like, give-up, worldly possessions type. He had, like, 70 Rolls Royces, yep. as one does. So they have this town. They have all this money. They're taking over local elections. They poison a town with, oh, God, what, what, what was it? It was maybe E. coli or something. They, like, poisoned the salad bars. And did all this other crazy stuff. In the show, one of their potential things that they were going to do is chop up beaver parts because beavers have all these diseases and put them in the water. And put them in the water of this town. It is crazy. It's sound for those beavers. I, well, they, I don't know if they actually did it. That was just one of their schemes. But so I is, don't know that it actually happened. If you're going to operate as a cult, like, that's... I mean, that's a pretty good business model, I think. I mean, they Not really... that I'm, I'm obviously not endorsing beaver murder or any other kind of Thank murder. Thank you. But I just need to put that disclaimer out there. They really, for a while, they were riding high. They had it kind of together. But then it, to- of course, totally falls apart. But the book, you know, they talked about it. I was really surprised to see it in there because I had just watched the Netflix series, which is fantastic. And what so, is that called again? Wild Wild Country. I'm going to watch that. It is so good. I'm totally going to watch but, that. Yeah, I was really surprised to see them in here, and it was just so crazy. It's just so crazy that people think this is, I don't, okay. And well, I mean, you get sucked in. That's the thing about cults is, is I mean, you know, some of us are, are, like, kind of seeing this more recently, like, with the whole, like, overlap between, you know, like, QAnon and wellness you know, health, wellness, cults, and stuff, and all of yeah. that. Yeah, there's a weird Venn diagram overlap there, y'all. That like, but the thing is, everybody wants to be the smartest one in the room, and so when you get like really, really into that mindset, and then it's like, well, whatever is the the you know the big like most common belief, obviously that's not true. You know, I have the answer. It's you know whatever L. Ron Hubbard's deal is. It's beaver like, parts. Yeah, it's beaver <laughs> that's parts. That's it. But yeah, it was just crazy, and I, I'm not saying I would never be in a cult. I just don't want to be in these. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to do well, it. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> I. <laughs> this has I been. I broke Shelly. <laughs> this has been a truly fascinating podcast, and I. Um, 
Delightful is the word I want to use, which I did not think I would use. And I truly hope our listeners have found some book recommendations that they are into true crime that they will go and find at their local public library. And maybe they weren't before they listened to this and probably now are. So please go visit your local public library or if you would like to get an MLC library card, you can do that as well. What is the phone number they would call, Alex, if they needed to, if they were interested in getting an MLC library card? So our general phone number is 601-432-4111. And you just say, hey, I want a card, and they'll send you up to us. And currently we are uh, offering curbside service. Mm -hmm. So you would just call and tell us if you had a card, the book you want, and then we would look it up, and then we would check it out to you, and we would bring it out to your car. So, you know, it's like a red carpet treatment here. For all your cult and murder needs. For all your cult and murder needs. So thank you both for coming here today with your expertise and um, I look forward to um, chatting with you all again. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.